You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Official Once Upon a Time podcast, a poppychuloradio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio Pop Culture on Demand. Today is Monday, May 14th, 2018, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co hosts, Katie. Hi, guys. Jenna Pace. Hey. Vinny Hatcher. Well, hello. And Heather Bishop. What's up, guys? Let's get into it. Let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 21, which was titled Homecoming and aired May 11th, 2018. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. As the residents of Hyperion Heights celebrate the breaking of the curse, Henry is visited by Wishrumpel, who's hatched an evil plan to use Ella and Lucy to keep Weaver from destroying the Dark One powers. In order to stop him, Henry, Ronnie, Weaver, and Rogers must travel to the Wish Realm, home to versions of some of our most beloved and fearsome characters. In a flashback, a discouraged young Henry is visited by Wishrumple and offered a deal that could have tragic consequences. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 7, Episode 21. Opening ABC's Night, Once Upon a Time, was viewed by 2.3 million total viewers, with a .5 in the demo. It rose 15% and a tenth, with Part 1 of its series finale, marking two-month and four-week highs. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and let's start off with Jenna Pace. Woo! Well, I hope you're ready to start on a positive note, because I loved this episode! Oh my god! And for like, a, like, especially for one, for Once Upon a Time, where it's all complex, and the timelines, and the wish realms, and all that stuff, that would kind of be a bit of a clusterfuck. 
but oh my god, this episode was so good. It was so smart. The character interactions were just spot on. I love the use of cameos. I love the use of settings. It, it was just great, and it made me so hyped for the next part. I loved the fact that we got to see a little bit of Tiana because she really got the short end of the stick this season. And just, oh my god, every little bit that we got was just so good. Ermagerd! Alright, Jennifer, she started us off on the hype train. Vinny? Woo-hoo! Ooh. Vinny, do you have your ticket? I do. I have my ticket for the hype train, and I am hopping aboard because this episode just brought back so many wistful moments and and characters and knowing that we're going into the end of a seven year run and this is you know the last two episodes of this series i think they captured the overall feeling of the past seven years very well in this episode we've got cameos we've got interactions of characters going together for a common cause and it was just overall like the only thing that i didn't like about this episode is i have to wait until next week to find out the rest all right two on the hype train all right listeners hold on to your horses because katie has been an emotional roller coaster these past couple weeks some weeks she likes it some weeks she doesn't like it does she have a ticket to the hype train i guess we will find out right now katie what did you think of the episode i do have a ticket to the hype train and i am riding Riding high on that roller coaster. That episode was so good. It just, like Vinny was saying, it brings you back to all the great moments that the show has had. It reminds you of um, season one. It brings us, it brought us back to season one in a lot of ways, and it just had a lot of characters that we haven't seen in a while, um, just for that nostalgia purpose and. Um, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a great payout so far for fans who have been here since the very beginning. Um, and it's just, you can tell that the adventure is just going to continue into next week with the series finale. So it left a great taste in my mouth, and um, I'm really, really excited for the series finale now. All right now, so three tickets to the hype train. I feel like I know she's on the hype train, but I just need uh, some confirmation. Heather Bishop, what did you think of the episode? I'm on the hype train. I have my ticket. Um, I actually I, I didn't have my ticket at first because the first watch through, I, I got really hung up on a lot of little small points. You lost your and ticket? I lost my ticket for a little while. It was scary, um, but... After I, I went back and watched it another couple of times, I really, really enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun, and it took itself seriously in the places that it needed to take itself seriously in, but it also threw a lot of uh, throwbacks in there and a lot of little moments to where fans of the show who have been fans since the beginning are like, oh, that was wonderful, that was a good little uh, callback. So I really, really ended up enjoying this episode, and I'm very excited about the next episode. For the last episode. No, oh, sorry. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, and yes, I'm on the hype train as well. It was a fantastic episode. It was just the the. Oh, it was beautifully done. Uh, I do still have qualms about the wish realm and that kind of thing. I feel like Heather Bishop and I are are you know, we're twin flames when it comes to that. 
but it was still really, really good. And I was on the edge of my seat. I was wanting for that next episode to start playing, much like Vinny, because it was so good, and you can tell that it was uh, orchestrated to be sort of like a two-hour finale. So it, mm-hmm. it kind of sucks that we have to wait a week, but uh, it'll make that final hour even much better, I feel. So uh, before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. Poppychularadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. Let's get into it. A quick shout-out to the opening title card, which uh, for the past, uh, well, I should say for the entirety of the season, features sort of like the Seattle skyline behind the forest. This time it was just the forest, and uh, the O in Once Upon a Time was one of those uh, Doctor Strange-style portals, which was kind of awesome. So we get a flashback at the very start of the episode, where we see a young Henry trying to rescue a damsel in distress, but another prince arrives, you know, just in time to wake her up, save the day. Uh, Basically, he got uh, majorly friend-zoned. And uh, after leaving, you know, the cave in which the uh, princess, I am assuming, uh, was uh, asleep with a sleeping curse, being taken care of by a dragon, Wish Rumple appears, ready to make a deal with young Henry so that Henry can achieve his happy ending. And Henry's like, no, I want to find my happy ending uh, for myself. 
Wish Rumple's like, no, but come on, you want a deal? And he's like, no, you know, I will never make a deal with you. And basically, Wish Rumple says, we'll see. We're going to stick a pin in this. We're going to bookmark this. We're not going to discuss this right now because uh, y'all will start talking about other stuff. So we're going to save this until later. So let's pick up in Hyperion Heights. So the curse has been lifted. Everyone is celebrating at Ronnie's and, you know, specialty drinks and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Henry brings up Facilier to Regina. Have you heard from him? And she's like, no. And so she starts to wonder about him. Elsewhere, we see Hook has been released from the hospital and he has a conversation uh, with uh, Alice uh, on the phone. They're you know, separated by a street, basically. But they both vow that they will figure out a way to uh, break their curse. So Regina ends up heading over to the Sam D Enterprises building uh, to check in on Facilier when she finds Rumpel tied up uh, behind uh, uh, a wall and she releases him and he fills her in on the Wish Realm Rumpelstiltskin being in town. And uh, elsewhere, Henry and uh, Ella and Lucy are celebrating their reunion with uh, with little cupcakes, with candles to celebrate all the missed birthdays and celebrations and whatnot. And uh, when they blow out the candles on the cupcakes, both Ella and Lucy disappear. And Wish Rumple makes his presence known, tells Henry that he might not remember him, that they've spoken before, and uh, Rumple tells them that uh, he's using Ella and Lucy as a means to uh, making Henry obtain the Dark One dagger so that uh, Wish Rumple can have it in his possession. Henry starts off refusing to make a deal, but uh, he goes and, and lets Regina hook and Rumple know about what happened, and so uh, they decide to uh, join together and uh, head on over to the Wish Realm to save Ella and Lucy. And uh, they find that Alice has a looking glass. It's cracked, though, but they decide to use it. And so uh, when they jump into uh, the... or not, They don't jump into the looking glass. That was how they used to do it. When uh, the, the new portal thing appears in front of the looking glass, after the foursome enter it, they get uh, sent into different locations, which we will talk about in a moment. So let's talk about the setup into the Wish Realm. So the setup that leads our foursome to going into the Wish Realm. Jenna Pace... Talk to you me. See, my uh, hand was up. I know. Talk to me <laughs> about it, because I know you probably want to talk a little bit about the Shadow Queen moments, and uh, I know you definitely want to talk about uh, our Alice and Hook. Of course. Okay. Um. So, um. Let's get. Okay. So let's discuss the Shadow Queen moment. You know what? 
Going in, I was figuring there was just going to be a small mention of it, and it was, but I kind of like that it also fe- it also helped to fuel Regina's fire to kind of make her a little bit angrier, to kind of put her in that re- that mindset to face off against Wish Rumple. So I kind of like the way her grief was addressed and continued on. And yeah, well, we got a little bit more than I expected, so I'm happy with that. I'm still not happy with how he was killed off yet, and I'm sure later I'll get some soapbox to talk about that for a while. But, yeah, I think that, but yeah, I think, I like how they dressed it, and now let's just talk about the really sad moment between Killian and Alice. Never had have two sides of a sidewalk been so sad before. It's like, <gasps> it's like, okay, so they were together throughout the, throughout the curse as these strangers who came together as kind of a found family, and it's so sad because they realize, like, they had this time together and they never hugged. Like, they were close, but not close enough. And now they're so close, but so far. And it hurts for Killian to go back to, to, go back to his place, probably, because there's going to be a bunch of rem- remnants of Tilly there. And they're talking. They're having this exchange. And while they are hopeful that they'll pass the... Also hear... And their voice. This has been going on for like 15 years at this point there's probably a point where they're realizing like can we actually face that and you hear that little bit of doubt in in their voices you feel it and Killian's still not giving up hope like what the beginning of like his turnaround is still there but you can feel like you can feel a little bit of desolation too and it's just so sad Oh, it, it it's just such a tragic moment, and Rose and Colin act this out so beautifully. I also like um, how we how we um, have Regina bring up how Hook was doing because it always seems like he's left out of all these celebrations, and right now is a big one because he was in the hospital, and there was a lot of, there were a lot of jokes online la- the week before about. Um, while Hook was on that stretcher, he was more or less alone. Like, Tiana and Drew went by for, like, a hot sec just to check on him and then, like, went off to celebrate with everybody else. So it was kind of nice to see somebody from the cast bringing him back in, if, even if only for tragic reasons. Um, the final thing that I want to touch upon is the looking glass, because I feel like we finally get a little bit more of an explanation about Alice's portal magic, whether or not that was her... whether or not that was her being able to make portals or she had a magic thing it looks like she kind of had a magic thing so we can just kind of assume that the looking glass has like a little bit of a a residual portal thing where it's kind of like it can you jump through it and then the portal sticks around a little bit longer and that can explain how henry and ella were able to go through a portal from wonderland um earlier in the season in the episode pretty in blue so that's just a little nice tidbit and I just like seeing how the I like seeing how these four pe- these four pe- people this family comes together and it's like we're gonna go on this mission. Regina's line, um, we don't give in to. I forgot what the part was, but it's like we kick ass and we protect our loved ones. I like how Henry tries to make it the new family motto. It won't ever replace "I will always find you," but it's a pretty good runner up, pretty solid runner up. So, yeah, just the family connections in these setup scenes were really good. Um, menacing from Wishrumple, of course, and, you know, sad for everybody else all around. 
So it comes in for feelings and emotions that make a lot of sense as we go further into the episode. I like it. Any other thoughts on uh, the opening scenes right before we enter the portal? Is there anything that Jenna might have missed that any of you really want to discuss before we move on? I really loved the scene um, where Henry, Ella, and Lucy were um, Mm -hmm. blowing out the candles. I... I particularly like that scene because they brought back, you know, the same cupcake. We've seen it a couple times, actually, during the show. I just saw a whole series of um, of Jeff's um, talking about or showing when we've seen that cupcake throughout the, se- throughout the seasons. But I love how they throw back to the pilot. And Henry even talks about that. He talks about how Emma made a wish to not be alone on her birthday. Um, and so here they all are you know, blowing out the candles, knowing that they're not alone anymore. And then they blow the candles out and they're gone. Like that really took me for a surprise. I guess I was not expecting that at all because they, they were gone so quick. Um, so that was, you know, kind of a plot twist that I wasn't expecting at all. I knew something had to happen, but I, I guess I wasn't expecting that scene to be it. Um, but I love the moments leading up to that, um, I love, I love Henry, Ella, and Lucy. Their family is so cute, and um, it was just, it was a fun reminiscent scene of, um, from the pilot, to see how far the characters have come, not even just Emma's development, but to see her son's development as a character throughout the years, and how um, her legacy has kind of passed on to her son. I also just wanted to note that Henry has a red jacket on, which I thought was really cool on the costume department. Yes. Decision. That was really interesting. That's all I I wanted to say, though. Yes, that is awesome. I just really like the the parallel with the cupcakes to him and his mother. Because even though when he started, Mm -hmm. he had his wife and daughter there with him, and there's three cupcakes, when he pans back... Uh, from the cupcake blowing out, it, it was definitely a callback to episode one where Emma you know, was standing alone and blew the candle. I thought that was another really nice little Easter egg that they did. I agree. And uh, I, I do want to shout out something that Jenna mentioned, the Shadow Queen, just because, I mean, Jenna and I have sort of been the biggest Shadow Queen supporters. It was... It was, yeah, high five. It was teeny tiny, but it was just enough, I I feel. It was appropriate. I'm glad they gave Regina the moment to sort of, like, take it in. Because you could, uh, the way that Lana did it, you could tell that she was affected. But obviously, you know, she's got to handle the next uh, big thing that uh, just dropped in on them. So I thought it was appropriate and it was well done. And I like that Henry also uh, acknowledged Facilier first. Which means, yeah. you know, obviously that he, that he knows about them, you know, maybe he approves, like that kind of thing. I thought that was really nice. So let's continue on into the Wish Realm. Everybody, let's jump into the Looking Glass in three, two, one. Oh no, we're split up. Just like the team. No, or maybe not. <laughs> so our foursome is split up into two different locations. Let's start off with the first two. Henry and Regina end up in Wish Rumpelstiltskin's castle. And uh, in this darker 
twistier, creepier Rumple Castle, they run into Peter Pan, who's being held in a gallow, and uh, warns the duo about Rumple. And they also run into uh, one of uh, Rumple's, uh, I guess, guards slash prisoners, uh, co-conspirator, the Wish Realm version of Cruella Deville. And uh, after sort of trying to grill her and, and then trapping her, and they, they deal with Cruella Deville, and um, they go down into uh, the dungeon, and they find Ella and Lucy trapped inside of a snow globe. Obviously, Wish Rumple was ready for them, and uh, basically he lets the duo know that the only way that he can release them, because no one else's magic will work, only he can release them from the snow globe, is if Henry brings the uh, Dark One dagger. And it was only supposed to be Henry, but uh, because, uh, you know, of, of what he's done and who he's brought... He ends up punishing Henry by uh, giving um, the snow globe a time limit. If uh, Henry does not return with the dagger by midnight, snow and, and increased temperatures will basically have Ella and Lucy uh, freeze to death in uh, the snow globe. Vinny, talk to me about... Yes. Henry and Regina in the Dark One's castle, Wish Realm Pan, Wish Realm Deville. Cruella, Cruella. I loved it. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> last week I was seriously wondering how they were going to pull it off, and I predicted they would go to the underworld. I was wrong. They did go with the Wish Realm aspects of it, and I wasn't sure if they did, if it was going to work, because we only have an hour. But I love the fact that they had it set up that Wumple went and got his father and basically put him on display in the rack. I thought that was really interesting, and I love the way that Robbie K just kind of sat there like, he was kind of like Eeyore, you know, just like he didn't say Thanks a word. for noticing me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of. Uh, I just, I thought that it was really interesting because you could tell that he was defeated, this aspect. I mean, in that split moment, even though we didn't get a lot of time with this character, you could tell there was some history there with how he ended up where he was, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, the the thing with Cruella, I just thought it was hilarious when she, you know, they're just standing there, and she's just like, oh, hello, darling. And I was like, oh, this is... I love Victoria Smurfit. I think she's amazing. And I thought it was just hilarious the way she kind of made extremely sexual connotations and innuendos to Henry right in front of his mother. <laughs> like, maybe we could come up with a... He was very... What was it? Mae West. You know, like, why don't you come up and scratch me behind the ears sometime? Um, I loved it. I, th I thought that was a really clever way to get those two in, and it worked. And the desolation of, of Wumple's castle was... It kind of suited exactly what I expected. The 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 petite snow globe thing was interesting. Like I, I saw the preview last week finally, and I, I saw that that was coming, and it, it was definitely not what I expected him to do. Um, 
but the desperation of, of, you know, Regina and Henry and trying to figure out what's going on, you know, and seeing them there and Wumple doing his whole, here comes the snow, and this whole segment, just, it's shown through the relationship between Henry and Regina. I love that they were paired together. That's one of the strongest pairs this series has because they've grown together, you know, they're probably together one of the people one i can talk really one of the twosomes that are together the most throughout the history of this series and for them to be fighting together and for him to tell her no mom i got this and be a total dude bro and pull out a sword i never thought i would see cruella Deville's sword fight that was amazing (laughs) it was amazing like she just pulls up her skirt and is like all right let's dance um and in her may west voice yes (laughs) (laughs) She had that, like, pizzazz that just, like, you know, it, it. what was interesting is that this is definitely a different Cruella, and even though she only had a couple of minutes, you could tell that there was something different between this and the original Cruella that we knew, just in the way that she kind of acted. At least I walked away with that feeling. No, totally, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that really speaks to those actors. You know, they came back for this really quick cameo, but they still gave us this, like, breadth of story. Like, I honestly want to know how she ended up there. Like, why was she, you know, how was she coerced? And I never will, but... Oh, um, she, mm-hmm. uh, she actually said Rumpel hired her to, like, keep heroes at bay for a bit. Oh, okay. I, I th- that's right, she did say something like that. But yeah, I still kind of wanted to see more of her story. Like, how did she end up there? Was it the same story? Obviously, she had the author's ink in her hair. But um, yeah, and I thought that was really one of... And I just gave a spoiler for later in the episode. Oops. But, you know, uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I really... I absolutely love Wumple. (laughs) I just love how he's just, like, playing it up, like, to the nines, 100%, and just being a devious little bastard. If I'm not mistaken, and uh, any of our Once Upon a Time historians can correct me, the Wish Realm, everything is the same up to the point to where the Dark Curse was never cast. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. So Regina was thwarted from casting the Dark Curse. So everything before that should be similar oh, or okay. should be the same. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Okay, yeah. Which okay. leads to even more questions. Yes. Spin off. Exactly. <laughs> On the new Disney streaming site. No, just kidding. We have no official news about that. That would be so <laughs> I know. So, okay. Before we move on and catch up with the other duo, any thoughts, any other thoughts on uh, Henry and uh, Regina in uh, the Wish Rumple castle? I love that they're just corpses casually hanging around. Yes, right, they're just like right. motif. Um, I just want to make a tiny little momentary small teeny rant. teeny teeny tiny the smallest. Um, teeny teeny. How <laughs> is Peter Pan in the Wish Realm? That I really thought- really bothers me. Like I was I was glad for the cameo, and I think you know. It was, it was uh, fun. Okay, speaking of uh, the Wish Realm, well, no, because he didn't get defeated until all the Storybrooke stuff happens, and so the mm-hmm. Storybrooke and... stuff happens, uh, so, so the Storybrooke stuff doesn't happen, so he was still in Neverland. For the but entirety. Was Neverland? 
So yeah, that means Wish Rumple knew that, and uh, it appears Wait. as if Wish Rumple is really ridiculously powerful. He's evil yeah. because of the lack of the Bell influence and that kind of thing. So, and the lack of, of him ever finding uh, Balefire. So, uh, he probably went to Neverland and was like, fuck it, I'm torturing you. Right, but but at this point in the timeline, unless there's a Wish Neverland, Peter Pan's gone. There might just be a Wish Neverland. I mean, Rumpel said it I was can't deal with that. Yeah, no, if there is a Wish realm, there has Welcome to be... Welcome to Sliders. Yeah. There has to be a Wish Neverland, there has to be a, a Wish... Uh, Arendelle, a Wish black and white steampunk Transylvania land. Mm-hmm. A Wish land of untold stories. Yup. Minor complaint. That's all I'll complain about. Okay. This so episode. If wish wide, do we call them wide? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> this is what we will have to talk up to suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Yes. I can deal with that. Well, there you go. All right. So, moving on, let's continue on with our story and pick up with the other duo. We have uh, Rumple and uh, Hook popping up right in front of uh, the home of uh, Wish Rumple. So it's it's a similar home or the same home in which in which our Rumple lived in, and uh, Rumple ends up Rumple ends up figuring things out. He's like, wish Rumple must have cracked the um, looking glass and uh, split the team up and then sent them to places, you know, in particular, and he sent. Rumple here, obviously, to torture him, to remind him of his tortured past. I mean, he even finds the damn uh, sledgehammer that he used to uh, cripple himself. So, uh, after, you know, after figuring that out and whatnot, Hook ends up uh, getting an idea, and uh, they travel to... uh, a place in which he was actually going to commit suicide ages ago. You know, he he felt like there was no way in which he was going to be reunited with uh, his daughter and whatnot. So he he created this camp or something in this uh, cave near, um, you know, a body of water. And so he ends up using a shell to call a friend, and we uh, see the Wish Realm version of Ariel, and uh, he basically asks her for a favor. There's a funny little moment with uh, Wish Ariel and Rumpel, you know, Dark One, and that kind of thing. But uh, Wish... I'm not going to call him Wish Hook. Hook, he ends up uh, asking Ariel for some squid ink. And so uh, she has some and uh, is uh, ready to provide it to her friend, the captain. Our foursome is reunited when uh, Rumple and Hook reunite with Henry and Regina at the castle. 
Henry is assigned to uh, look through all the books in the library, and, and Hook joins him in doing some research to see if they can figure out a way to get Ella and Lucy outside of uh, the snow globe, and Rumple ends up returning to uh, his home and confronts his uh, evil-er alter ego and uh rumple basically is like you know what i've tried to figure out how to stop you i've tried to do this i've tried to do that and i've tried to be good but you know what i'm just gonna give you the dagger because i i feel like this is the one thing that i've never tried i feel like this is probably the way to do it because you want all the evil power I don't want the evil power. If you take it, I will be free from the dagger. And so when Wish Rumple ends up grabbing the dagger, he realizes that he's been tricked. The squid ink was on the dagger. And so Wish Realm Rumple is frozen. And uh, Rumple is ready to stab the Wish Alter Ego. But he is stopped by Regina, basically saying WTF. And in that moment, it allows the Wish Rumple to free himself. And uh, he basically reminds uh, our Rumple about the seer. You know, you remember, you know, we both know the seer that said the boy will be your undoing. And... Uh, We'll pause right here. Heather Bishop. You are our Dark One Whisperer. You have a PhD <laughs> in the Dark One mythology. Talk to me about Rumpel's side of the story. You know, him showing up in his childhood home. And then his decision with uh, Wish Rumpel. And also the return of the boy will be your undoing, in which someone referenced this a couple of podcasts ago. <laughs> whenever they, I, I sent uh, Jeff a message about that, but whenever they said that, when that line came out of Wish Rumple's mouth, I was, I yelled at my TV, "Damn it, Jeff!" Because I did <laughs> so not did expect I. that to come out. Um, I did not expect this either. So this was. This was like a bonus after getting mm-hmm. the whole timeline twist right. I just listened to that episode the other day and I was like, oh, I totally remembered that. It was so random for me to remember something from the show and I was right. And then I watched this episode and I was like, oh, damn it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Spectacular. Heather. Um, oh, but as far as... Um, the confrontation between uh, Rumpelstiltskin and Wish Rumpelstiltskin, which is going to be fun to decipher between the two of them. So y'all, I know. <laughs> I'm just calling one of them Rumpel and the other one Wish Rumpel because I feel like or that's Wumple. the easiest. Wumpel is nice yeah. too. Wumpel yeah. is nice. I can I can do that. It sound like I don't have a list. Um, so first and foremost, I really did not need the scene where they went back and showed Rumpelstiltskin, uh, hobbling himself. Oh yeah, that is intense. That would, that got me when the first time it came on and being reminded of that just right off the bat, that, that got to me really, really well. But I 
I really, really enjoyed the scene um, where the two Rumpelstiltskins uh, confront one another. Um, and I, I enjoy the fact that it happens, the, the setting that it takes place in, and it's the, the house that is, in at least our Rumpelstiltskin's mind, a place that he would never really want to return to. In a sense, yeah, because that's where he had Balefire, and that's where they were actually happy, but that's also the point in his life when he was pretty much at his lowest. So I think that's a really interesting um, setting to place these two characters in and to show the, the, the differences between the two, the small nuances between them, because they have a very similar story up until a point. Um, I think that it's very interesting on our Rumpelstiltskin's part because the only possible way to trick with Rumpelstiltskin would be to do so in a manner that he would think that Wish Rumpel would think that our Rumpel Silskin is giving up uh, an immense amount of power because he wouldn't understand. Wish Rumpel wouldn't have had the life experience. He didn't have uh, Bell. He never got to uh, reunite with Bellfire. He never had. Uh, he never knew about the fact that Henry was his grandson and all of these relationships that our Rumpel Silskin has developed. And he would have never understood the idea that our Rumpel Silskin would be okay with sacrificing his chance to get back to Bell just to stop this great darkness. And I think that that was really, really interesting and really gratifying as a fan of that character to see that, number one, he was willing to make that sacrifice once again, even, albeit in a slightly different manner. And number two, that you can see, um, that we actually get to see the differences between those two versions of the same character kind of going up against one another. So that wasn't as eloquent as I kind of hoped it would be, but I really enjoyed that scene, and I really enjoyed um, watching the two of them interact. And I feel like, sorry, one more thing, I feel like Bobby Carlisle had just an awesome, you could tell that he was having a hey, good Bobby. time. Hey, Bobby. We have a relationship, I can call him that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like you could Let's tell see what that his he wife was says. having, not that kind of relationship. Not that kind of. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, anyway, I feel like uh, he, you can tell that he was having a good time getting to play this character that was more along the lines of that crazy, chaotic, uh, imp that we saw in season one, because ever, ever after season one, you had more of the, um, the background to Rumpelstiltskin, and, and while it was still chaotic, it was a little bit less so, because we had more, uh, story to go with, and this one is just, like, the embodiment of all that is chaos, so it's it's a I liked watching the nuances of him play those two different characters as well. Before we move on, any other thoughts on Rumple slash Wish Rumple? I do. Jennifer. Okay, so I want so um I really like the uh, that we got to see not only Rumple come back to this home but also Killian too. Uh, well, Wish Hook. I like that, and we also kind of got to see Wish, uh, Wish Hook take Rumble to where he was at his lowest. It shows the development between these two characters, and it shows the vulnerability they now have. They can freely explain why it's a weak moment, and I can't imagine, like, a while ago, that's something they would have done with the other. That's something that, like, they would have, like, kept close to their chest, especially from one another. And, yeah, I really like that. I also love how Ariel fits into... Um, to Killian's story, although I have to wonder, um, 
I have to wonder, is Aaron with Eric in any capacity in this in this uh, Wish universe? If so, that if not, that's a little sad. But I hope she is. But yeah, I just... Uh, sorry, I got distracted for a second. But yeah, I really just genuinely like how this is almost a culmination point, And I kind of like how it... I never say Mila's name, but taking them back to this house absolutely reminds the two of them of Mila. So it's kind of... I don't know. I just oh, Lord, like the Mila Militia has shown up. I am a proud member of the Mila Militia. Suck it. Nobody is brought the, her up. I is know, the Mila I Militia know, good you know or bad? The Mila Militia are people that are obsessed with Mila and feel like she's nope. not at fault at anything. What's the opposite called? She's not at fault. <laughs> the Mila Insurrection? No. <laughs> <Inquisition>. <laughs> yes, thank you. The Mila Inquisition. I would be at that part. No, none of these I'll, I'll president that one. I have talked to Mila-obsessed people. They're I'll not be your Mila Militia. Mila was a horrible woman. Uh, the only time she was at all likable was in the Underworld, and that's when she was I dead. Begged to do <laughs> immensely. And then she took a swim. <laughs> too soon, Vinny. It's not too soon. <laughs> No. I think I'm alone in this camp, but whatever. I will say that even again, it wasn't touched upon, but I do think that there's kind of a subtle point: the fact that they were able to get along while being in a place that reminded them both so much of Mila. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. And Mila, no. bye bye. <laughs> well, damn. I I disagree, but um, just because they're very different characters and. Why would they bond over Mila? I, I don't know. No, but I'm just saying, like, they're not bonding over Mila. It's just kind of they're able to come to this place that reminds them of Mila and still be able to be civil with each other, still be able to have the have the bond that they already have had. That's what I'm trying to make the point of. They're from different realms. I, I genuinely yeah, don't feel like... Experience. I know, but I genuinely don't feel like they're thinking about Mila. But I like <laughs> that you think about Mila in that location. Someone has to. Yeah, someone has to think of Mila, and it is Jenna Pace. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't I even. So much. I can't even at all. Uh, okay, what I will say is, I do like Nook and our Rumple's relationship. I, I think it is beautiful. The only thing that disappoints me just a little bit is that I wish, speaking of wish realms... I wish that it had happened between our Rumple and our Hook. Because it would have felt a whole lot more yeah. full circle mm-hmm. if it had I been I, I agree. those I, two. So that's the only thing that kind of bugs me. I do like Nook. I feel like he's awesome and he's his own character. But it just it just would have been extra special had it been those two. Our original um, recipe. <laughs> Yeah. I would say though that I think that says something kind of interesting about original Hook, something that was never really outright said, where it's like, um, Rumple, uh, original Hook's relationship with Rumple is a lot closer to kind of like, um, in Sisterhood, the relationship that ends and Ivy. Gina acknowledges that she, that Ivy is has changed and has the capacity to change, but that said, doesn't forgive her for all the shit they went through. And especially because Storybook Hook got a lot more shit done to him. Um, follow, well, yeah, he had his heart taken. He had a bunch of things that, a bunch of horrible things that Rumple did to him. So I kind of like that 
words that stuff didn't happen, so it kind of made forgiveness a little bit easier for Wishhook. So, I don't know, I found that a little interesting. Yeah, that is true. Our Hook has a lot of baggage, because his asshole-ish demeanor will come out at a time. But, but, yeah, that's, hey, that's yeah. part of the character. Yes, but I wish, I don't know, I just wish that it would have been with the original recipe. I just think it would have been much more full circle. But it is nice seeing a Dark One and a Hook uh, coexisting and bonding and having a friendship. I think that is really nice. So, uh, moving on, we pick up in the uh, Wish Rumple Castle, and Henry is inspired, you know, looking through all the books and whatnot, a a, uh, quill ends up reminding him about something, and he has an idea, and uh, the only way that he can do it is without uh, Hook, so he knocks him out, and he travels through the forest, it looks like it's way past midnight, but I'm just saying, he travels through the forest, and... uh, ends up getting confronted by the Sorcerer's Apprentice. I should say a blind Sorcerer's Apprentice. And uh, they have a conversation. He explains his whole situation. And uh, he's like, I need the the pen. You know, I'm an author. I need the pen. And so uh, the blind Sorcerer's Apprentice ends up... Uh, putting his hand on Henry's heart, and uh, he gets flashes of everything. There's this great meta line in which he says you know, something to the gist of, well, that's a complicated story. I mean, the timelines alone <laughs> would drive anybody crazy. <laughs> that, that was, was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. This show is so good at making fun of itself. I love it. <laughs> And so he's like, you have to be an author to be able to, you know, do any of this. And uh, Henry's like, yes, you know, I, I need it. I, I need the pen. And uh, he's like, it's in your hand. And it was. But uh, the apprentice reminds Henry, you know, remember, being an author, you have to record. You can only record. You cannot you know, uh, write whatever you want. It's only about recording the history. And he also references the fact that there had not been an author in that realm in a very, very long time. So Henry returns to the castle, and uh, he has one last stop to make. He goes over to Corella Deville, who has been encaged, and references the fact that, uh, you know, he's got the author's pen and that he knows one place to get uh, the ink. And uh, he opens up the, um, what do you call that? The inkwell? Yeah, the inkwell. And once he opens it up, uh, the inkwell sucks all of the ink out of Corella DeVille so that he can start writing in the book. I will make a little note. They didn't suck the ink out of her eyebrows. <laughs> uh, he wasn't going to say anything. I, I noticed that. Because I, I was like, her eyebrows happened like that because of the ink. She didn't have those eyebrows. In, and it uh, makes it especially interesting because she was naturally blonde. So 
Yeah, I was confused. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm guessing they didn't, didn't notice that, but I Maybe did. Maybe was just being considerate. Oh, okay, that <laughs> With was her nice. eyebrows to stay on fleek. Yes, stay on <laughs> fleek. Okay. So, alright. Henry now has the ink, he's got the pen, and he's ready to write, when all of a sudden, Wish Rumple arrives, basically tells him, thank you. He's like, this was my plan all along. So the whole thing with the Dark One Dagger was basically like a ruse. Like, it was a sort of, um, you know, a pretense for Henry to, to get the idea to get the author's pen. And Wish Rumpelstiltskin is not alone. Wish Rumpelstiltskin has an ally. So let's go back to the flashback scene that we saw earlier in the episode. Because I know Katie really wants to talk about this. Um, in the flashback scene, we saw the young Henry with the Wish Realm Rumple. Wish Realm Rumple specifically says, you know, I've traveled from the Wish Realm to see you. So it makes it sound like he's talking to our Henry. But no, the Henry that he was talking to about giving him his happy ending, although that is kind of weird, Rumple goes up to a young boy and was like, let me give you your happy ending. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, fluff your pillow, too! <laughs> yes. So he's talking about happy endings and all that kind of stuff. It is not our Henry. It is Sir Henry from the Wish Realm. So Sir Henry pops out. He is clearly an evil version of Henry after all the stuff that happened to him. Sir Henry ends up using the the pen to write in the book that basically states that uh, the Guardian the Guardian's powers have basically been nullified. So uh, the Guardian can no longer help Rumpelstiltskin. And uh, with that, because everyone is there observing this, and everyone else is there shocked that Sir Henry has aligned himself with uh, Wish Rumpelstiltskin, Wish Rumpel ends up magicking Henry, Hook, and Rumpel away. I guess we're assuming into the snow globe uh, with Ella and Lucy. I wonder if the snow is still there. And uh, Regina is spared because Sir Henry got something for the deal that he's made with Wishrumple, and that is to seek revenge on Regina for everything that she did in that episode in which uh, she saves Emma from the Wish Realm. Brum, 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 brum. Good grief. Katie, talk to me about this. Talk to me about Henry the Sorcerer's Apprentice, Sir Henry, and uh, this uh, deadly deal with Wish Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Okay, so this this is when, like, the episode got, like, so good. Um, Did you understand I, it all? I I understood, you know, most of it. I was, I was really confused about the Corella, like, the ink... Part, Did I you guess. notice I the know. eyebrows? What? Did you notice the eyebrows? 
I I actually didn't notice the eyebrows, but now that you say something. No, but don't you remember the um? She got the ink splashed on her. That's how she got her magical powers. Oh my gosh, that's right. Oh, Katie. Look at that. I'm having more revelations during the show. Katie, we are <laughs> taking away your Tumblr and we are giving it to Jenna Pace and Heather Bishop. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That no, now that now that makes more sense to me. I guess I totally forgot that that had happened, but um, it makes more sense now. Thank you for opening my mind. You're welcome. Um, Vinny sort of spilled <laughs> the beans earlier, and you didn't pay attention to that. <laughs> I'm not paying attention very well. Um, I I really like the scene with the uh, the sorcerer's apprentice, particularly because I was not. I mean before I read the press release for last for this past episode I was not expecting them to bring back the Sorcerer's Apprentice and I like that they did this and I, they did it in a really good capacity because they took they took something that we have not thought about in a very long time I have not thought about Henry as the author in a long time I guess um, I haven't thought about I haven't thought about the fact that he could literally change things by just writing in the book. They haven't really addressed that in a while. So I like how they brought that up. And made that. A big part of this finale. Um, and for him to start on that journey. They had to bring the Sorcerer's Apprentice back. Um, so that Henry could get the pen. I really liked that. Um, I loved of course the line. About the timelines. The show is so good. At making fun of itself. Or making fun of things that the fandom has been ma- has been making fun of for a while, um, it's it's really funny. Um, but that line in particular just made me laugh out loud. Um, so I, I enjoyed that scene that they brought back the apprentice for that reason. Um, and now that you bring up the whole thing about the ink, everything makes more sense to me now. And Yay. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that that totally made sense because I'm like, why? What is going? On? I was I was very confused, but everything makes sense now, and it was actually really clever. I like how Cruella got to play a little bit of a bigger quote unquote role in this episode, where we had a lot of um, guest characters that we haven't seen in a while, like Peter Pan, Ariel, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and we get Cruella, but she kind of played more of a bigger role, or she had more screen time, I would say, than the others. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seeing her again yeah. surprised me, even though it made sense with the, the ink. But still, I, yeah. I didn't think we were going to see her again, so I'm glad that she got an additional scene. Everyone else sort of got, uh, you know, a teeny tiny little scene, and she got a little bit exactly. more. Exactly. Yeah. So She I'm, is I'm beloved, though, by the fans. I know. She was, she was one of my favorites, so... Um, I'm glad that we got to see her a little bit more and to bring up things that we haven't thought about in a long time um, in that. So that was really neat. And then we come to the scene where Henry is making this deal, well, you know, with Rumpel. Um, It really raised the stakes. Like, I guess that scene, the scene really raised the stakes. And I like how they brought in young Henry and now he's, you know, quote-unquote evil, sort of. He's playing he's playing 
the wish version of himself very well. Because if we think about it, the wish version of him has different memories with um, Regina. He has different memories with um, his grandparents who were murdered by the evil queen. And so, you know, he wants to get his happy ending um, and to avenge their deaths. And this version of Henry is going to do anything, even if that means making a deal with Rumpelstiltskin. And so that shows us a little bit of a different side of um, Henry that we haven't seen to my knowledge before in this show. So I like how they're kind of giving Jared Gilmore somewhere different to go with his character. They're giving him more of an acting range, um, a different direction for his character. So that was kind of fun um, to see him um, acting evil and all of that. Um, But... I don't know, just that, that ending where he wrote down the words, that, that just, it just, it changed, it, it raised the stakes incredibly and made me really, really excited for what's going to come. So I guess the biggest takeaway from this that I can, that I can say for sure for me is that I was not expecting it to go this way. I was not expecting at all for them to um, bring back the whole author power and for that um, that to be brought up and for them to actually follow through with it. So um, that was a really big plot twist and one that I'm excited to see follow through. Any other thoughts on uh, the Henry's, uh, the author twist, uh, and the fact that Sir Henry wants revenge on uh, Regina? Uh, um, oh, you go first, Heather. No, you go ahead, Gina. You go ahead. Okay, oh, thank you. I was actually gonna, well, I'm actually making a point about Rumpel, so I think you'll like this. Um, <laughs> Rumpel's face, as Henry's writing down those those lines, the Guardian's power is no more, the resignation, the sadness, the melancholy, it's just Robert Carlyle's acting in this episode has just been superb, and I think this was kind of like one of the highlights of it, and it was already a big episode for Rumpel, but just seeing him as it's as like his his seemingly last chance of being with Belle is taken away from him. He looks like he's about to cry, but it's Rumple, so he wouldn't cry really. But uh, just what phenomenal acting on his half! You're right. I did like that. That was really. It was so good. good. That was good. You're... Anyways, that's all I wanted to say. You're up, Heather. Um, I just wanted to comment about how I I really like that they brought Wish Henry back. And when they brought him back, I, I, I didn't like it at first. But as as everything kind of settled down and they explained it, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think that it legitimizes the Wish Realm on a lot of different levels. So I think that it ended up being a smart writing choice uh, in, in this instance. Simply because all of my problems with the Wish Realm, aside from timelines are because when we went to the Wish Realm in Season 6, Regina murdered Snow White and Charming, and we're like, they're not real. It's fine. They're not real people. And yet, this season, we found out they're pretty real. They're actually... (laughs) (laughs) They're real people. No kidding. So, that has bothered me since uh, Wish Hook was brought in, and I, I like that they are addressing that, and I feel like 
as long as they do that, then I am more okay with the Wish Realm than I have been at any other point since its introduction. Wow. Yay! Peter Pan being the exception. <laughs> but it makes sense. He would not have been dead at that point. Okay. She just doesn't like Wish Neverland. I don't like Wish... I have a problem with Wish Neverland. I don't have a problem with Peter Pan being getting his, uh, his, you know, his just desserts and all that. I'm fine with that. Wish Neverland, though. Mm -mm. There is something that bugged me just a teeny, 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 tiny little bit. I was wondering if we were going to see that part again. Yes. Something that bugged me, (laughs) and it's something that maybe one of you can talk me down from it, is... Would Wish Realm Henry have the author powers? Because he seems evil. Can you be evil and be the author? Isaac. Yeah. Isaac well, yeah, but terrible. he turned evil mm-hmm. after he was the author. No, did have nurture thing? They, they didn't covered they that actually. Say? Yeah. He he because it goes back to what you were saying about how the Wish Realm everything is the same, but yet Henry in that case, wouldn't have been the same, but he was because he was still born from Emma and Neil. So technically, if the Wish Realm is copying, you know, most things from the existing uh, Master Realm, it would go to say that he would be in that realm because there's a Wish Apprentice, which means there was a Wish whoever created the pens, and Merlin. thus... Merlin, that's right. Uh, so yeah. Oh, now we have Wish Camelot. Yes. But wait, if there's anything that bugged me about the Wish Realm, and maybe Heather Bishop will agree, is that Neil was there. Why would he have been in the Wish Realm? Yeah, Neil Neil died in the Wish Realm. Well, he was was dead, but didn't he father Henry still? It sounds like, if I remember, if I think correctly, Neil never went to the Earth Realm. I think he just kind of told his father to fuck off, and went and did his own thing in that realm. That's what I got from the Flash, that episode, when they went to the Wish Realm the first time. Because she I, said, your father died brave or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, also, Wish Rumple was still trying to instigate the, the curse. So that would mean that Belfire still went. I think that the, the difference between the Wish Realm is that it, it originally was supposed to have been created at the point that it was wished into existence. And that... The only difference is, and that none of the stuff that happened prior to the point of its the wish actually existed. It was just that was when it came into being, and everybody was just kind of given a copy. So there was a story for Neil that made sense to the people yeah. in the wish realm, but they weren't real people at the time, and they didn't have these full stories at the time. So, okay, we'll just go with the flow. It's a problem. Fire. He prob- maybe he did go to like the real world and then somehow ended up back at like maybe the dragon sent him back or something because there are a lot of Shout ways out to the dragon. The enchanted forest from the land without magic. It's Rumpel funny in season fun. one there weren't though. Mm-hmm. There weren't, but you know what? That things changed as the season went on. I new- know we've got Doctor Strange portals now. That was before the interdimensional expressway. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. No, before before Thanos arrived. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. oh, Lord. Everybody yes. breaks down crying. Aw. Right. <laughs> okay. So let's head back to Hyperion Heights because we've got some stuff to take care of. 
before we head into uh, the MVP and we rate the episode. So, uh, while all of this is going on, we have some moments in Hyperion Heights to sort of balance things out to show us what's going on there. And uh, we see Tiana struggling with her identity. It's very reminiscent to what happened uh, in early season two with like the charmings in particular snow you know trying to balance the mary margaret side of things and and tiana is really struggling with it you know i i was a queen but i was also sabine and i i i don't know what to do and naveen is there to sort of uh reassure her that uh, she can be both, and, and uh, you know she also has to take on the responsibilities and, and to take care of her people. You know she has to do right for her people in this realm. Elsewhere at Ronnie's, Tilly, Alice. Uh, I'm gonna start using their names. Uh, Alice starts feeling uh, some sort of pain I inside of her, and she feels like something is wrong with uh, her papa and the others in the wish realm so she tells uh, robin that uh, they have to go you know they need to help our people that are in the wish realm so uh, they go to tiana for advice and she gathers all of uh, her royal subjects all of uh, the fairy tale characters that are in hyperion heights by her food truck which happens to be uh, under the troll and uh she she's trying to get everyone's attention and no one's really paying attention to her so naveen ends up getting their attention for her and she does a really great speech about themselves and um how some of uh you know their their friends are in danger and and if any of them you know, may have some sort of magical item or whatnot, or, or something from the other realm that they can sort of glean the magic off of. Uh, because Sabine had, or I should say Tiana, earlier had said something, uh, like a really great line of like, you know, it doesn't matter all the beignets that I can make, you know, I don't think you can glean enough magic to travel realms and that kind of thing. And so Remy ends up coming forward, and he's like, you know, one day I was, um, you know, getting some food and, and, and uh, creating a dish and whatnot, and, and I ran into this, and it is a magic bean that he had harvested. And so uh, Tiana gives the bean to Alice and Robin, and uh, she also allows them to take the Roland Bayou food truck with them to save their people Tiana and Naveen stay behind because she's like, you know, I need to be here for my royal subjects. And uh, so the duo end up using the magic bean to create a portal. And it isn't a portal to the wish realm. Alice says they need to go and pick up some friends that can help. And so when they toss the bean and they drive through the portal, they arrive in Storybrook, Maine. Boom, 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 boom. So I'm going to open... Oh, my. Well, I was going to open the floor to everybody, but Jenna Pace, I guess, no, has... No, you can open the forum. You can open the forum. It's cool. I have a question, Okay, actually. <laughs> so Vinny has a did, question. Did Tiana's mother die 
because I swear that they show Tiana as queen with her mother still alive. And Correct. if not, Eudora where is, is alive. She? Yeah. They, she, she never she was kicked out of Hyperion Heights, I think, because like Tiana okay. uh, was going to leave the city in episode five before Ellis before uh, Jacinda stopped her. Okay. Yeah, and she mentioned that she was going to go live with her mother. So Eudora, uh, we're okay. assuming, is still in Hyperion Heights. At some point, they stopped the whole idea of the Tremaines yeah. wanting to kick all the story book characters out. But uh, they mentioned that early on in the season. So I'm assuming Eudora okay. is there, unless that was a cursed memory, that yeah. kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah, but Eudora is alive. She was alive in the flashback, so we're assuming she's okay. alive still. I'm awesome. assuming they just couldn't get Robin Givens. Yeah. That's so, what I do have some, mm-hmm. I do have some thoughts. Okay, Jenna Pace. Um, I love her. I love Tiana's. Um, I love that they gave Tiana something to do because it really felt like they kind of shoved Tiana to the sidelines, um, really throughout her whole thing, and especially for making her a regular character that was really sad. So to give her not only a part but a big part in the finale, to let her be a queen, it was. Really something special. Um, also, uh, Naveen, way to use your male privilege to get everybody to listen to Tiana. Very good job. <laughs> um, and honestly, just all I, the last thing I want to say is Tilly and Margo or Alice and Robin are just so cute when they're apartment hop, when they're apartment shopping. I, um, I want to make a quick prediction for the finale. I think that when... Wait, is this like an actual prediction, or is this one of your weak, bold predictions? <laughs> oh. And yes, it's going to be, I figure, when the Curse of Poison Hearts is finally and inevitably cured, because I refuse to believe in a reality where it's not, I figure, because t- because Alice and uh, Robin are going to be living together, I like to think that Alice and Killian are going to be working together. Just so that, just like Alice gets to spend time with her father after not being around her him for like 15 years, so they can see each other every day. Anyways, that's all I want to say. Okay. I like it. I do have a question that I want to ask everyone, but uh, I want to go over this first, if anybody has any thoughts on it. I will add that I did like that they gave Tiana something to do, just because I love Makia Cox. Uh, You know, she's just been fantastic as Tiana slash Sabine. And even though they did recycle, as I mentioned, sort of like the Mary Margaret storyline of season two, uh, in, in the span of one episode for... Uh, Tiana. I liked it. I felt like it was appropriate because I feel like, you know, it it was great to get uh, what a a character who's not one of our core characters reaction to having been two people per se. You know, she was Tiana in the past, then she's been Sabine in the most recent future or in the most recent present. And and now, you know, leading on from here on out, she's going to be Tiana with these memories of Sabine, and and so who am I, and that kind of thing. I appreciated that, and I thought Makia Cox handled it well, and I did like Naveen uh, supporting uh, his queen. Not going to lie, when he gave her that hug in the kitchen, I thought they were going to make out, and I would have been here for it. I would have been here for it, but they didn't make out, and I was incredibly disappointed, so I hope we get a kiss between Tiana and Naveen in the finale. Any other thoughts on uh, Tiana, Naveen, Alice, and Margot, and and that brief little image of the... It isn't really an image of Storybrooke, but a a brief image of the sign that we know so well. 
I, I just oh go ahead no you can go ahead then <laughs> i'm just gonna yeah. make an observation and i just love that they're at the point that no shits are given and they're just dropping looking glasses and magic beans smack dab in the middle of the road in this pop oh, yeah, that city. is funny <laughs> like uh, who gives broad a daylight <laughs> wait is dr strange here that's right? what the townspeople are like <laughs> and it was interesting to see how many i i guess Neffers, new enchanted foresters, were actually in this group because we only really saw like a small handful of them, and then there were these random people that were just kind of added for flavor. And I don't know about anybody else, but I always like to kind of look at them and just see who might they actually be. And I I couldn't really come up with much. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, they're kind of like the random story Brookians that we see in the background that yeah. show up for everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Every party at Granny's and that kind of thing. Yeah, I didn't mind it. Number seven. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I thought it was pretty nice. Katie, what about you? Were you excited to see the Storybrooke sign? Yes, and that's what I was going to comment on. I really like that we got to see that. Because I like that they added that at the end of this episode. Because the next episode's title is Leaving Storybrooke. So at the end of the first part of the, the series finale, we get to see Entering Storybrooke. And I'm assuming mm-hmm. at the end of next episode, we're going to get to see leaving Storybrooke. So it'll be, you know, kind of a, a closing chapter to the to the series. But I really, really did like that we got to see that. Um, and that, it was kind of fun because it, it was reminiscent of the pilot and the fact that we have a yellow truck going past it instead of yep. Emma's yellow bug. So I really, I really liked that in particular because it brought us back to the pilot when we see Emma's yellow bug going past the sign. Now we get to see the yellow food truck going past the sign. Um, it just it shows the growth that we've had over the years, and um, it was it was really nice. So that's all I had to say. But I'm I'm really reminiscing and. It'll be sad when we when we see the leaving Storybrooke sign, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, sad in a good way. I will add that I like how they've been using flashbacks. Like, we've gotten a little bit of it, especially when people have been getting their memories back and that kind of thing. But the way that they've been incorporating quick little flashes to stuff that we've seen in the past, as opposed to on the previously on which can kind of ruin where the story is going you know because they show us something in the previously on you know once upon a time and then we're like oh okay so they're going to show that later later on i like how they use the flashbacks to remind us uh, about the seer about uh, the author and, and that kind of stuff i thought that was really really neat so my question that i have for all of you before we head into uh, the mvp is uh, do you think any of these characters will stay in Hyperion Heights? Do you think they're going to move to Storybrooke? Do you think they're going to return back to their realm? Speaking sort of just about where people end up. Just because mm-hmm. uh, I was sort of thinking of what um, Jenna was saying. And, and, and uh, we saw Margot and uh, Tilly, Alice, and Robin looking for apartments and that kind of stuff. Do you think anyone's going to stay in Hyperion Heights? I feel like no. But uh, you never know. Yeah, I... I don't know. Half of me thinks, you know, like, someone will stay there. I don't know 
will Tiana and Naveen stay there, or will they go back to their actual realm? I don't know. That's a good question. I guess I didn't think about that. I thought about, you know, people staying in Storybrooke or Storybrooke getting transported. But I guess I didn't think about Hyperion Heights. Yeah, because I was surprised that Tiana and Naveen didn't join them. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought everybody, I don't know, for some reason, was going to fit into the food truck and they were all going to go to Storybrooke. But because Clone they car. Stayed, I know. Because they stayed behind, I'm like, oh no, we might not see Tiana and Naveen that much in the next episode. Yeah, I feel like we're going to see them at the end. Like, there might be an all-come-together moment, but I, I do feel that there's going to be a couple that might stay in Hyperion Heights because it didn't go away when the curse was broken. So mm-hmm. it's definitely there because that was one of the things even going back to season one i always thought when the the, the first curse was going to be broken that they would automatically be sent back to storybook or to, uh, to enchanted forest and i thought that was interesting that that lasted so with the knowledge that it will stay there and some of these people may not have had the best times back there like hook and alice they might actually stay there and also I- if those that don't stay um, in Hyperion Heights, do technically kind of have copies in Storybrooke, so it could get a little confusing. Right? Hmm. Well, no. Because those that are in Hyperion Heights, for the most part, are uh, are people from Enchanted Forest 2.0, what, what, what we call uh, the Magical Forest. Right, but Cinderella and Cinderella, for example. Oh, okay. Well, same names, but they're not uh, same people, as opposed to Wish Realm. Yeah, and then there would be two hooks. That could get confusing. One of them can call them... Which hook can call himself Rogers. Yeah, one of them can call himself Rogers. Right. There you go. Can you just can imagine that scene where Emma walks into Granny's and she's like, oh, there's my babe, and it's not really her babe, it's actually Rogers. <laughs> the underworld all over again. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That's too funny. Okay, any other thoughts about where people are going to live before we head into the MVP? Anyone's guess? I guess. Yeah. Adam I and Eddie know. Yes, they do. And they will probably <laughs> still leave it very vague. Yes. Yes. All right. It's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. And before anybody asks, yes, Wish Rumple and Rumple are two different people. Yes. Henry and Sir Henry are two different people. So, just in case, because I feel like it's going to come up from one of you. And who's going to go first? Who has been the nicest to me? Hmm. Well, Heather Bishop did give me credit for something. So did Vinny. (laughs) So that means Vinny will go next, but Heather Bishop will go first. Yay! All right. Um, So, right out the gates, I'm going to address what you just said. My MVP is Wish Rumple. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, nobody's surprised, but I really enjoyed um, coming off of last episode where the introduction of Wish Rumple really, really bothered me a little bit to start off with. 
I'm really glad they took that direction this week. It's very it's very interesting to see the um, the different shades of this character, and I think that Wishrumple is someone that it's going to be interesting to see what he does next because you can never really predict where he's going to go. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it in a similar way to enjoying like how the evil queen got split in season six. I think that uh, Robert Carlyle did an amazing job playing the two different uh, versions of himself in this, of Rumpelstiltskin in this uh, particular episode. And And he was extra juicy. Woo. And he's extra juicy. Woo. But mine's wish Rumpel. I like it. He was extra, extra juicy. Woo! Woo! Thank you. <laughs> I just love when you all do it. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, tradition. Keeping it alive. Vinny, who's your MVP and why? I feel like I might know who it is. I feel like it's a wish person. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> you thought I was going to go with Cruella. Yes! No? <laughs> No, I wanted to, but this time I wanted to make sure that I picked somebody that actually impacted the episode and didn't just satisfy my palate for evil bitches. Oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> I am actually going to go for Henry. And uh, grown-up Henry, our natural Henry, uh, because of the simple fact that like we haven't really gotten to have a solid hour of Henry as Henry this entire season. You know, we've had like glimpses into the past. We've had flashbacks to when he first got into the enchanted forest. And, you know, we've had inklings of the personality trickling through the curse, but this is the first episode where I really feel that Andrew got to really bust his chops or struck, uh, strut his stuff, you know, integrating everything that he's built up this entire season as swift henry you know failed writer taxi driver with the truest believer and he walked a very fine line and did an excellent job of bringing through the past six years of jared gilmore to fruition especially in the scenes where he was interacting with his younger self i really enjoyed the fact that you know that he was demonstrating these years of knowledge and trust me dude you don't want to do this you don't want to go through it i know you it really pulled in my heartstrings you know because here is this guy that just came out of a shitty curse and now he's trying to convince another version of himself that was created out of you know evil basically because the wicked queen you know made this wish come true by causing the wish realm in response to emma's wish you know he you could tell that he was feeling for this alternate version of himself and even though this guy was honestly a total douche like i just i did not like younger henry and it totally goes back to last season and that just talks to jared gilmore but no i think overall he was just really really strong in this episode and he was our henry so going into this last episode i'm really excited to see that continue especially getting more time with mom and his family and everyone and just seeing everyone get together to kick ass but yeah henry gets my mvp wish realm rumble stiltskin and henry are off the table jenna pace your mvp and why Okay, I'm going to go with regular Rumble. Uh, Original recipe. (laughs) As opposed to spicy or juicy. Yes. Woo! 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 Um, Yeah, so I I really like this point, uh, this in the episode. I like it. He had so many good interactions um, with himself, 
the ones with himself were really amazing, especially the scene in the house. His plan was so clever and intelligent. Um, I like his dealings with Henry, where he and Henry get into, like, this very adult fight. This kind of culmination of, of kind of, like, their conflicts over the season, because Rumpel and, Rumpel and Henry have kind of butted heads, and Rumpel in the past has screwed over a lot of people, and Henry's kind of showing receipts for that, when he's like, who deserves to have their happy ending? It's not only, I mean, it's, it's and Rumpel responds the way that Rumpel would and Rumpel should. And finally, like, yeah, this was, this was a very interesting moment. And then Robert Carlyle's acting, especially in that scene that I mentioned earlier with, um, when Wish Henry's writing down that the Guardian's powers are no more. Just that desolation, that all is lost moment where he's like, my one shot of being with Belle has just been taken from me. I, I I can't even speak. But there's just so much pain in his eyes. This was a really great... This was... It, just as much as it was a Henry-centric in some ways, it was kind of a Rumpel-centric, too. And both, and it's like all three parties in that regard, regular, Hen, uh, regular Henry, Wish Rumpel, and regular Rumpel, all got this amazing amount of screen time. And for regular Rumpel, that's so true, because he had to confront so many demons... And he overcame them in some ways, and in some regards, he didn't. And he was... It was kind of Rumple at his peak rumpliness. So, yeah. I like it. Okay. So, Wish Realm, Rumple, Henry, and Rumpelstiltskin Original Recipe are off the table. Katie, who's your MVP and why? Okay, I'm going to go with someone who is not super obvious and wasn't in the op- episode that much, but I love her, so I'm choosing Corella. <laughs> she she has long been one of my favorite guest characters slash characters on the show. And I was so ecstatic when we found out that she was going to be on the show again one last time for the finale. And I'm glad that we got to see her. She wasn't in it a lot, but as we kind of discussed earlier, she was on it more than the other guest characters who were in this episode in particular. Um, And her scenes were fun. You know, she has that um, flirtatious uh, side of her that we've seen in the past. And um, she has, I mean, she, who would have thought that we would see Corolla DeVille sword fighting with the, the grandson of Prince Charming, of Snow White and Prince Charming. Uh, it's just, it's something that the show does best is take characters, fairy tale characters, Disney characters, characters, a legend that we think we know everything about and then put like this whole new twist on them, put them in situations that we never would have thought possible. Um, and that's, that's one of the best parts of the show. And it was, you know, kind of exemplified there with the uh, Corolla Deville sword fighting um, with the grandson of Snow White and Prince Charming. And, you know, her scenes are just fun. I love that they brought up um, the fact that the ink spilled on her and, um, well, the fact that she was realized working. it well, I maybe mean, like 15 I like minutes it ago. Now, I love it now <laughs> that you told me that. It's just, oh, okay, good. Roll with it. I'm <laughs> like, rolling. I'm like, thing from a couple of Are you rolling by you? 
<laughs> I like yeah, it. Exactly. Rolling <laughs> Jenna Pace, I'm so disappointed it wasn't you that said it. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, it. I even paused to give you a moment. I know, she I know. Did not. I'm sorry. I have a She's slacking. Wait, 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 wait. I can redeem myself. I have a good Corella pun because this is moment oh, appropriate. No. Okay. I know that Corella may no longer be black and white, but given her rage, she's definitely red all over. <laughs> I redeemed myself. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you, Jenna. That was beautiful. <laughs> anyway, wow. so it was a valiant attempt. <laughs> but anyways, I like how we got to see her again um, for a fun little short role. To revisit her character, so um, so Cruella is my MVP of this of the guest stars of this episode. I like it, and my MVP is going to be someone that I don't know if we're going to see much of in the next episode, and, and I felt like they gave her enough to do in, in this one, and that is Tiana. I just love Makia Cox, and this might be the last time that I can give her an MVP. She was really great in the episode. She had a smaller storyline as well, but I like, as I mentioned earlier, I liked seeing her struggling with the Tiana and Sabine of it all. I loved her moment with Naveen. I wish they had kissed, and I liked seeing her become a queen right before our very eyes at the end talking to her royal subjects and I do like that she decided to stay behind even though it makes me worry that we won't see much of her in the actual series finale episode but I like that she decided to uh, you know take the um, take her subjects basically into her own hands and uh, be there for them and to embrace her queenhood her queenlyhood I thought it was really nice so now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 apples? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. And as I teased last week, since this is the two-part series finale, of Once Upon a Time that we are discussing, we have added two additional very special ratings. Oh my. Ooh. Yes. So, I'm excited. I know. So if you are left feeling indifferent and you truly cannot choose a rating, you may grant the episode The Poisoned Apple. Inspired. Yes. Inspired by <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And if you found the episode so exceptional that a golden apple just won't do, you may grant the episode the limited edition platinum. Oh my god, I swear to god you were apple. psychic. <laughs> Thank you. Did you have a dream about this one night? I did. <laughs> Well, no, I didn't have a dream, but I lay in bed thinking about what I was going to rate it. But maybe I'll still surprise you. That is so funny. Ooh. But I was literally like, I don't know, because I'm going to want to rate the last two probably really high. Do we have a platinum? Well, <laughs> oh, wait. now we do. Uh, I've got a question for you, Jeff. Can yes. we use these 
limited edition apples more than once. Yes, you may. I'm calling it limited edition because it's only allowed for these final two episodes. Aw, you mean when we do the 10-year series overview reunion, we can't give the pilot a a platinum album? Platinum apple? (laughs) Album. (laughs) Album, wow. Maybe the musical episode can have a platinum album. (laughs) That is so funny. Uh, well, th- for right now, if we do, listeners, there is an idea of reuniting for the 10-year anniversary of the series and, and doing the entire series, to be quite honest, all over again. But in a different style. Obviously, we would not be doing a, a recap. It'd be much more of a discussion type of thing. Uh, the ratings might actually be similar, uh, although that podcast would no longer be Storybook Weekly Mirror. It probably would be something like Revisiting Storybook or something like that. It'd be a completely different name. But that's in the future, Jenna Pace, but I love how she's planning for like three years from now already. Uh, I love it. Yeah. She's, she's, she's got her little day planner out. She's I'm like, the days on my phone. I love it. It's amazing. So yes, yeah, so there are two special designations. There's the poisoned apple if, if you just can't choose. Although I would say the poisoned apple is more so if you're feeling in the negative. And there's the platinum apple if you just, if golden is not enough for you. Now, I will say, just because there are two special designations, if you do not feel like using either of them, it's perfectly fine. There's no peer pressure. But, uh, Katie, you are going first. So, hopefully you have decided. Katie, how would you rate this episode? I am actually, as much as I want to use the the new limited edition apples, I'm actually only going to use this sounds so weird only going to use a golden apple for this episode i thoroughly enjoyed this episode i feel like i can't give it the platinum apple because there were a couple things that i i guess i don't really i don't really know i i just feel like in my opinion i just can't give it the platinum Apple for reasons that I really can't describe because I don't I don't even know. But what did you say? I think I might actually be able to help you with that when I take my turn. Oh, okay. So I'll I'll be looking forward to that. Um, but otherwise, I did really like this episode. I love that we got to see characters. Some of the favored characters from over the years, like Peter Pan, Cruella, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, who I was not expecting, um, Ariel. We got to see a lot of fun characters. Even if they had brief moments, they were still fun. And I will give the show credit for surprising me because I was not... I was expecting them to show up in the underworld, not in the wish realm. So... I'm, it, I, I like it. I like that we got to see them in a different realm. Um, I love that we got to explore the Wish realm a little bit more. I loved the plot twist that um, Hen- younger Henry was there, except he is kind of he's taken a deal from Wumple, as we're calling him. And mm-hmm. I really liked Wish Rumple a lot. Um, there were just there were a lot of really great moments. I particularly particularly really liked the scene with Alice and Hook or sorry, Alice and Rogers as they were calling each other from across the street. Oh, that tugged at the heartstrings a lot. Um, it was acted so well. 
Um, and it makes me really excited to see the curse finally break for them in the next episode, hopefully. Um, I also really liked the Tiana stuff that we got. I was not expecting her to have this much, quote-unquote, of a role in this episode. And I'm glad that we got to see it. I'm glad we got to see her and Naveen have a special little moment. I loved um, seeing her give a speech to the town. That is something, that's a thread that's kind of carried over throughout the seasons. Um we will see various characters giving speeches to the town quite often, and I like how we got to see Tiana doing that. So that was kind of fun. Um, and then, of course, I really loved the last shot um, with with the uh, rolling by you truck, rolling by the oh. <laughs> that <was so> <laughs> entering so. Awkward is the name of my. I kid. tried. I she tried. tried. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I will you get a poisoned episode... apple for that, Katie. No, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> so I will, I will um, give this episode a golden apple for being a really great part one to the to a series finale. Okay, everyone, we have one golden apple. It feels kind of weird, kind of like what Katie was saying <laughs> to say just it's just a golden apple. I know. <laughs> but we've got one golden apple. Vinny, how would you rate this episode? I'm going to continue the golden trend. And I agree with Katie. There was just something about the episode that I couldn't put my finger on at first. Because I was all ready to set and be like, hey, can I create the platinum apple? And then Jeff stole my thunder. And now we have it. But... Yeah, I can't use it, and I realize why is because this didn't feel like an encapsulated story. This definitely felt like there's another half that was supposed to air right after, but it just got moved ahead by a week. And so I really feel like there's stories that started in this episode that didn't really get to a point where I have the full ability to rate them, and there were you know seeds planted and things put into motion. Um, so I, I can't give it the platinum because I didn't get the full experience, but it also didn't like blow my mind away. Like I really, really, really liked it, but I think because I didn't feel that finale finish or anything, I couldn't give it like the full, I couldn't accurately rate the entire experience. But between this week and next week, if I, feel the same about next week's and they go well together i'll probably break out the platinum apple but yeah i i just kind of felt that this was a really really strong episode to stand on its own it really set things up wonderfully for next week continuing the trend of these past few episodes leading into the finale of making us not only want more from the existing characters but building up the just thirst because we are all thirsty for the return to storybrook and the characters and things that we know are going to happen like probably going to have grumpy yelling to storybrook at some point that someone's coming or something's happening you know see mary margaret and charming show up to save the day with emma it, the the build-up to that, like, I could literally just feel the the good tension and excitement and anxiousness for how this is all going to play out next week, building. And the final scene was just, I, I called back to the very first episode, it was that flashback. There was even fog on the side of the road, and it was the trees that you recognize, and knowing that, you know, Alice and Robin are about to go 
call in the cavalry and they're going to all go open up a can of whoop ass on Wumble. It, it's just it was really exciting and it, the cameos brought us back over the years to people that we haven't seen in a few seasons and even if they were only there briefly it's just kind of like that that tugging at the wistful heartstrings like oh I remember when they were on and I thought they were a bitch or they were on and I wanted them to die but then I miss them and I see them here for two seconds you know it's we've all gone on a long journey with this show and now it's winding down and I think the sprinkling of the cameos is an excellent way to just make us remember the excitement that we had at the various stories and how they touched us and all the feelings that we felt so golden apple all the way and after next week I actually kind of want to give a grade for this week and next week together on top of individual episodes because I think they deserve that oh very interesting I will make a mental note of that yeah Heather Bishop Two golden apples have been given out. Where do you stand? I am going to continue the golden apple train. Um, I, for all of the reasons that Vinny and Katie have said, it was in a really good episode. And it's, it did take me um, the second time watching it to stop you know, thinking and nitpicking and actually enjoy it. But it was very... It was so nice to have all of these little small callbacks and to previous episodes, even just like little moments in in the dialogue that called back to to some of our favorite episodes, some of our favorite moments on the show. And I loved it. I really did. And it does make me excited and so interested for the second half of this because you can tell that we're, I mean, we're almost done, but we're not done yet. And there's one last hurrah that's coming uh, next week. And it's, you know, I've, I haven't been, I think, this on pins and needles about an episode of Once Upon a Time in a very long time. And I feel like that's such a good thing. It's such a refreshing thing because this season in itself has been one of my favorites so far. It's It's been so different but also so similar to back on season one and season two of Once Upon a Time. And this episode, I feel like, really answered a lot of questions about the wish realm that I've had. It made me okay with certain aspects of it. And it was a lot of fun to sit back and watch uh, the craziness that unfolds from one of the villains that we've had since season one. So I really, really enjoyed it, and it can have a golden apple. Three golden apples. Jenna Pace, what about you? So I gotta say, I really admire you guys for having the the willpower to hold back to using <laughs> new fancy apples. That takes <laughs> real, real guts to just say, like, you know what? Wait a minute. I have a couple of reservations, so I'm just gonna hold back and not give this platinum apple. I don't have that willpower. Fucking platinum apple. Fucking platinum apple, that shit. <laughs> Not just a platinum apple, but a fucking platinum apple. <laughs> yeah, I think that means that it's got, like, Swarovski... What is it? Swarovski crystals? Swarovski crystals. Swar- whatever. <laughs> say it again, Vinny, because I couldn't say it. Swarovski. There you go. So, it's not just it's not just that, but it's just along lines of... It's just an amazing episode, and also part of me is a little afraid that... I, because I'm a little nervous that the finale is going to be... It have so much going on that it might kind of, like, be a little slippery in some ways. A little bit like the season six finale was really slippery. I'm almost a little nervous. And this episode was just so solid. I And honestly, I don't really have complaints about it. I don't even really have nitpicks because it's just, like, I can, I can just use my imagination to fill in, like, the... I wouldn't even call it plot holes. They're just kind of 
plot bunnies because they may not be explained, but there's enough plausibility that I can explain it myself. Anyways, just this episode was so good. It's so hard to imagine that you can keep the story going, focus on so many characters, clear up plot points, have little cameos, bring in new plot elements, and, like, have it work this well. And this episode did it so well. I'm impressed beyond belief. I'm, I'm impressed beyond belief. My voice, my old voice was going against me, but just... <laughs> It's so good. The character moments worked, all of them. And just considering that this episode focused on, I want to say, like, five if not six characters at any given time, that's so impressive. And it's just a good story. It has me glued in. It made, you know, it gave me emotions. I think there was a certain, I think there was a point where I was, like, tearing up in the episode. I think it might have been the Rogers-Tilly phone call. Krilla's eyebrows. Yeah, Krilla's eyebrows. Uh, yeah, Krilla was sword fighting. That's enough to justify a fucking platinum album. Platinum apple. Lord. You know what? I want to put this episode on an album. Give it a platinum apple. Platinum apple. <laughs> Jenna, just don't I try. think we broke <laughs> Jenna. You know what? <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> don't drink in podcast. <laughs> Anyways, just. A really fun, creative episode filled with great emotional character moments and, an, and a fantastic setup for the next episode. So it leaves me on the edge of my seat. It's so good that I'm afraid. And I think that, that I think that's impressive. It's like, I didn't expect the penultimate episode to be this good. I expected cracks. I expected a lot of cracks. I expected a lot of worries. I don't have worries. That's why I'm giving it a platinum uh, apple. It's so good that I'm afraid. All right, Jenna, you have like an alternate career as like a commentator for plot holes on DVDs <laughs> for this series, I think. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Please press play to activate Jenna Pace commentary. Plot money. <laughs> yes, Jenna Pace. I, I, I love it. Hey, it's what I do. Yes. I have uh, talent comes to the show. Many. Heck yeah. Anyways, Jeff, why don't you tell us your score? Thank you. Okay, so we've got three golden apples. We've got Jenna with, uh, I believe it was a platinum apple slash album slash apple, which was amazing. <laughs> Don't forget the F. Yes. <laughs> oh, Jenna Pace, I love it. I am going to give it, I'm going to go with the consensus and give it a golden apple. I know, I, I, I just disappointed Jenna Pace. Yeah. But... Because it's a part one of what should be a two-hour thing, it was a lot of setup. Set up in a good way, though. It was all very interesting. I liked it. Uh, I might have had maybe one or two little nitpicks that you all sort of cleared up for me. So uh, for the most part, it was a really outstanding episode. It was a lot of fun. I was on the edge of my seat. I loved all the twists and turns. I love that The Boy Will Be Your Undoing came back. I love that the author's pen came back. I loved all the little cameos. And I like where things ended. So uh, it was just a damn solid episode. I really, really liked it. So it's going to get a golden apple from me. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash storybrookweeklymirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, everyone. Night, guys. <laughs> okay and um, that's it <laughs> good night and on Friday get ready for some tears fears and dears oh dearie <laughs> goodbye be belly be sure to come back next week and listen to us now <laughs> thank you Mae West <laughs> It's such a terrible Mae West impersonation. It's amazing. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybook Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Good night. What did you say? Vinny, you're breaking up in kind of a weird way. <laughs> he's, he's going away. <laughs> Is what it sounded like you were saying. <laughs> Vinny, are you there? He's gone. He's gone. We killed him. Oh, Thanos no. took him. <laughs> he bit a platinum apple and died. <laughs> Vinny, I don't know if you can hear me. I'm going to call you right back. There might be a problem in the connection. Uh, I'll take that as yes. Okay, that was hilarious. <laughs>